You're listening to the Fired Up Podcast Network. Let's get fired up. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of the Fired Up Broncos podcast. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm your host, Zach Seegers. That's at Zach underscore Seegers on Twitter. Uh, and joining me today, we've got the man, the myth, the legend co-host. Uh, we had Cam on uh, two weeks ago. Now you got Maddie, my other co-host on Mainly Broncos. Uh, Maddie, how are you doing today, my man? I'm I'm doing really good. Um, really close to Fourth of July weekend. Ready to do some some smoking. I'm gonna put a pork butt on the smoker tomorrow, and uh, go spend some time out on the water. So I'm really excited about that. But I'm also really excited to be a guest on a podcast uh, with one of my boys. And you know, mm-hmm. I'm really excited about what you got cooking over here. I'm really fired up to be here. <laughs> hey man i appreciate that the pun king over here and then uh uh man no better way to spend fourth of july on the water i i i wish i was in your shoes that sounds awesome but uh you know, got a little bit of news finally i mean we the dead period hit us hard it's been silent in broncos land more or less outside of you know retreading the same old tired debates um but finally got some news today as we're recording this for first off Justin Simmons said he thinks the Broncos are getting closer and closer to the playoffs. He said they're close to the playoffs this year. He thinks this might be the year they finally break that drought. What say you, Maddie? Yeah, um, for somebody who, you know, he just secured the bag. He's arguably the best safety in all of football. For somebody that is that good at his position, he certainly, and enjoyed a lot of team success since he came into the league. I think when he was a rookie, we went nine and seven, and that's been his best year as a pro record-wise. So definitely could understand the frustration there. I certainly hope that we would exceed that nine and seven record. I mean, we're gonna have. I mean, <laughs> we're gonna have have like seventeen games, so that's an extra opportunity to that record, but. I, I think we certainly have all the pieces, just like that that article said uh, that came out. The one thing potentially holding the Broncos back is quarterback, and we've got two guys right now that are battling, and they certainly could eclipse what um, that was Trevor Simeon's year, right? Uh, yeah. Nine and seven, yeah. so certainly have that kind of upside. We'll see what happens on the offensive side of the ball, but. We certainly have all the pieces there ready to make a push. Now, I don't, I'm don't. i not going to say that we can get at the Chiefs quite yet in the division. There would have to be another acquisition for the team that could put us there, but definitely could be fighting for a playoff spot for sure. Yeah, I agree. And I think playoffs is the goal for this team. Like even if, let's say the lock thing doesn't work out, and we're all, of course, hoping it does work out, but even if the lock thing doesn't work out, I think you can make an argument, Teddy Bridgewater being Teddy Bridgewater, with the defense looking as good as it looks, 
Um, the offensive line being, you know, not not bad, but, you know, maybe league average. And then a really strong running back room, tight end room, wide receiver room. You know, it feels like this team should at least be in the playoff hunt. You know, if they're the eight seed or nine seed and end up missing it, you know, that's one thing. But they, they should definitely be in the hunt. So I, I'm right there with you. Um, on to the next one here, kind of in that same vein, PFF, you know, they've gone through and they've ranked all the different position groups and different players at each position group. And to cap off their season preview series, uh, they ranked the entire rosters of each team. And the Broncos uh, were ranked with having a top 10 roster. Talking about the playoffs, of course, 14 teams make it. Um, second in the AFC West, I believe. Um, but they, they finished 10th overall. Uh, Maddie, do the Broncos have a top 10 roster? I mean, they are literally stacked at every position but quarterback. I mean, for, for what we run in our base packages and everything else, we, we're good even on the two deep in most spots. Like, we're, we have a super roster in a lot of areas that are very important now right tackle you know that that's a big question mark sure where if if bowls you know regresses or goes down like that's a big question mark but i would venture to say like there are a lot of teams they lose their franchise left tackle that they're going to be in a world of hurt uh ram check if he goes down right he just signed that huge extension with the saints if he goes down, like they're screwed. So we could play the what if game on the super deep, but we, we do have a margin for error with injuries. Uh, hopefully, you know, we regress towards the mean a little bit there with all the misfortune we had last season. Wide receivers are stacked. Tight ends are stacked. Running backs are stacked. We're, we've got a solid offensive line outside of one position. That's a question mark. Okay, let's. You know, we all know about the quarterback. Let's move the other side into your defensive line. It's events. We are good there. We've got guys that can really take a step forward. I think Jones is potentially a double digit sack guy this year. Able to wreck havoc. We've got Chubb and Vaughn Miller on the outside doing work. We, we still got Malik Reed. We we've added talent interior part of our linebacker core sternod coming back should be a huge huge uh get for us we really didn't get to see what he had last year pairing him with browning and his athletic upside like that's a lot to be excited about and then hands down the best secondary in football i don't even think it's a question at this point at least on paper and we'll see how everybody comes together so I just went through our whole roster. Now special teams yeah. <laughs> has been a thorn in our side, but at least on the off defensive sides, so there's a lot to be encouraged about with the Broncos roster. Yeah, and, and special teams is definitely a problem. Like you look at the the 2010 Chargers, a team that were top five. They might have even been top three, but they were definitely top five in both offense and defense. Don't even make the playoffs because of how bad. And you know they had Philip Rivers, who you know borderline Hall of Famer. A lot better than, you know, even if Locke does make that leap, a lot better than Locke probably is this season. 
Um, and they fell short of the playoffs because special teams cost them games. Uh, but mm. fortunately, I do think they made a, a big investment on special teams this year. Like a lot of depth investments. Like Baron Browning, I don't think he's starting at linebacker this season, unfortunately. Um, I think he's going to make an impact on special teams, though, with his athleticism and tackling ability. Same goes for Stearns and Johnson. Um, and uh, Though Johnson's not the best tackler, but, um, you know, like I – the depth on the roster isn't bad anymore. You know, it's guys that if they have to step up, they'll be able to do so. The Broncos won't be as hurt. Um, and then that should also uh, upgrade the special teams. And I'm glad you mentioned that, you know, secondary is the best in the league because that's what PFS said as well. They had, um, you know, as part of it, you know, breaking down each roster, they gave each roster's biggest strength, weakness, and then the X factor. Biggest strength for the Broncos, secondary. Um so strength is the secondary, um, weakness, quarterback, um, X factor, Von Miller coming back from injury. Um, and, you know, I think those first two, strength being, and correct me if you disagree, but those first two, strength being secondary, um, quarterback being weakness, um, you know, even though you're a little higher on lock than I am, I think you'd agree with that, that right now, the secondary is the biggest strength on this team, and the quarterback, at least until we're proven otherwise, um, quarterback is the biggest weakness. Would you agree with that? I would, but I I understand where they're coming from with Von Miller's health being the wild card. I I really do. But even even number fifty eight just being out there is going to open things up for other people, right? It's not like. It's not like offensive coordinators are going to put somebody on an island just because they want to test and see if Vaughn Miller is truly that dude again. And I think he will be, you know, I, I think he'll be just fine. He honestly, if the Broncos were playing for something at towards the end of last year, there's a chance he could have even come back then. Yeah. Um, the biggest wild card is also the weakness. It's It's the quarterback position just because it could make such an impact. And it's such an unknown for what we're going to have out of Bridgewater, right? Like if we're going to have the guy who kills it in between the 20s and then once he gets in the red zone, we're we're kind of done for. Or if we're going to be able to unlock something or if Drew is truly going to make forward. And I, I think that the organization is giving him every opportunity to do so as currently constructed. So I'm. Notice there's an outlier there for everything because Aaron Rodgers is still a thing hanging over us, and we don't know what's going to happen with that. But uh, for the sake of conversation, proceeding forward with him not being in consideration on our team, I think both the weakness and the wild card should both be the quarterback position. So I, I, I agree. I just think they should have doubled down on it. But that's just me. Yeah, yeah, I, I... I agree. I think you got to double down there. And then, um, yeah, you mentioned it a little with Miller, um, but I do think him as the X factor is the most intriguing um, part because he is a real X factor. Um, now, like you said, uh, things are set up for him to bounce back well. Um, you know, you've got Chubb coming off of Pro Bowl season um, and a well-deserved Pro Bowl season on one side. Um, 
<clears throat> Mike Purcell, Draymond Jones, Shelby Harris on the interior taking up blocks. Um, and then a really good secondary on the back end where they um, the Broncos can feel good blitzing guys um, and, and know they're covered with how talented how talented that secondary is. Um, and Vic Fangio's never been a big blitzer, but he's got that option, and that'll give – Miller even more one-on-ones. And and people love to mention that, you know, didn't have the double-digit sacks last time he played, but his pressures went up from 2019 or 2018 to 2019. So though the sacks went down, he was pressuring the quarterback more often. Um, they're just kind of a luck of the draw deal. He was top six in the league in pressures, like uh, a sneaky good year. Uh, everyone talks about it like he dropped off majorly, though. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's kind of all I wanted to hit on there. Got another game. So when when Cam was on with me, we played a little game. I called this or that. I gave him two scenarios. He told me which he believed was more likely. With you, the game I'm going to play, Maddie, over-under. I'm going to give you some hypothetical stats for players and, and one for the team as well. And you tell me if you think they're going to ha- uh, uh, go over that number or, over, or under that number. So pretty simple. Sound good? Sounds good. All right. Uh, with the with the caveat though, hold on, that I have to rewire my brain that it's a 17 game season. <laughs> yeah, I know that's so difficult with the with the numbers that's now. It's like, weird. yeah, that's that's definitely part of it. And, and we'll start off there. So wins, uh, uh, you know, obviously the 17 game schedule really comes into play here. I feel like you're a little higher on the Broncos, so I inflated this number a little bit. I'm putting the line at nine and a half for you, Maddie. Over or under? Over. If you would have said ten, I would have been in a tough spot because I think ten and seven is really a good spot to put us. You know, give or take three games for variance. You know, some, a lot of games can go one way or another. Um, you know, if kind of everything hits perfect, we could be like a thirteen and four team and really resemble like a twenty fifteen reincarnate type of situation for us just go bad and we lose all those close games well then it's par for the course for what we've had but i've got us at 10 and 7 right now 10 and 7 i like it i like it i man it's tough i'm gonna go under i'm with you i think it's nine or ten wins for this team this year um i think uh, i'm the one who set the line so like pat I, i'm just patting myself on the back for saying it but i think that line's pretty close to where it is so it's tough for me on the over under but i i do think under i think some things could go wrong um you know maybe Vic fangio cost them a game with clock management maybe injuries are a problem again you know bridgewater continues to be uh bad like he was last year and lock doesn't make the leap people are hoping for i think there's uh, a couple things that could go wrong, so I, I'd take the under, but um, you know I think it's very reasonable to go over. Uh, let's go over to, to the defensive side of the ball because we were just talking defense and we were just talking about this player, Von Miller, ten and a half sacks, over or under? Damn. Um, I'm gonna say under, but he's still gonna have a lot of pressures. And he's still going to be heavily involved. But Bradley Chubb might just beat him to the quarterback, right? Like, if, if yeah. 55 gets his mitts on the quarterback first, that's that's curtains, right? And that's a 
little sack that Vaughn wouldn't get. And I think that Vaughn's going to have a lot of attention too. So even even coming off of a Pro Bowl season, I feel like most of the attention is still going to be on Vaughn Miller as opposed to Bradley Chubb. And so I, you said 10 and a half sacks, I think right at 10 is probably a good number. Maybe nine and a half somewhere in there is really good for Vaughn Miller. So you're crushing it. You're making it difficult for me. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Well, I want to make the games hard. Well, um, uh, yeah, and I kind of agree with you. I think it's kind of in that range. And we could see it be a lot like uh, his 2019 season where the sack numbers aren't there, but he's uh, creating the pressures to help everyone else see Um you know, you had Malik Reed getting a, a good deal of sacks that year. Derek Wolf had a career high in sacks. Shelby Harris uh, had a career high in sacks, I'm pretty sure. Uh, Alexander Johnson had more sacks in 2019 than he had in 2020, I believe, despite blitzing and rushing the quarterback way, way, way more times in 2020. Um, you know, Vaughn just kind of created situations that uh, benefited other guys. Sticking on the defense, this one I think is interesting. Patrick's and this is a big number, so this one I, I wouldn't I could see you easily going under on it. Maybe I'm too big on this number, but Patrick Sertan, twelve starts. Now I figure he's going to get a, a few starts guaranteed because of injury. You know, Bryce Callahan has injury issues. Darby has injury issues. He probably gets on the field for three, four there. But I set the number high because I think this means. He is winning that starting job at some point and getting into the lineup. So 12 starts over under. I, I'm going to, well, it's hard to, it's really hard to quantify what it is. Cause like, does that mean you're on the field for the very app on defense and then you're technically a starter? Like you started the game or does yeah. that mean that you play like a, a starters uh, out of snaps, right? Like kind of like like in basketball. Yeah, um, I would say a majority of the snaps and a top three uh, cornerback on the depth chart. You are on the Sunday night football. Well, I guess Broncos are at primetime this year, unfortunately. But you are on that Thursday night football. Thursday night football. You're on that Thursday night football or, you know, CBS starting lineup graphic. That's what I'm defining it as. You don't have to be the first game, but like – um, or first play of the game, I mean, um, because maybe you go out there with just two corners um, and you go like Callahan and Fuller. I think that's way reasonable. He's a top three corner on the depth chart. They're going. He's getting more snaps than um, Darby or whoever number four is, or Callahan or Fuller, whoever number four ends up being. He's third in snaps per game at corner. Well, um, I'm gonna smash the under on that. Uh, just just by the graphic and the starting of the game, but we're defensive packages that are built around his ability, especially when we play the Raiders and the Chiefs. Brought him in to be the tight end stopper for those guys. So, I mean, that's at least four games that he's going to pretty much be on the field the entire game. As long as you see Waller and you see Kelsey, you, you, can, you can count on number two being on those guys so i i think that um i think it's technically an under but if you go by just the 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 snap count per game for what a a starter normally would have i think he'll be right there in line with with a lot of other corners in the league 
Yeah, I think that's a good call. Um, It's tough. I think ultimately it will be under. You know, I I love what we're hearing about Patrick Sertan. Um, He was incredibly pro-ready coming out of Alabama, getting coached up by Nick Saban. I mean, he's the best secondary coaches in the business of football, you know, him or Belichick. Uh, uh, They're going to have Sertan ready to go, or Saban, that is, is going to have Sertan ready to go. Um, but like, I thought Jeff Akuda was going to be ready to go. He's a phenomenal cornerback prospect, the best I've watched, which, you know, since 2017 is when I started like scouting. Um, but guys like Daniel Jeremiah, were talking about him being the best since Patrick Peterson. And he came in and really struggled. It's like, crazy. This defense, like it's going to have to be great. I think to like carry this team into the playoffs because they're going to be in the playoff hunt. They're not going to have time to like mess around and develop rookies, you know, and like, Hey, let's get playing time. So we're ready for next year. It's like, no, we need the best 11 on the field. And I think like, like you said, Sertan's going to have a role. He's going to get plenty of playing time. He's going to get rotated in a good bit and see those snaps. But I think ultimately he probably falls a, a, a tad short of 12 starts. I wouldn't be surprised if he's one of the top three cornerbacks in terms of starts when we're looking at the end of the season or like snaps, you know, like if he's top three or maybe even top two when we're talking or when we're considering injuries um, in terms of snaps. But I I, I don't know. I, I, I think his talent will um, eventually elevate him. But, but rookie cornerbacks tend to struggle. You know, maybe it's a type, a type of thing where he comes on strong down the stretch of the season. Uh, last one on the defensive side of the ball for you here, Justin Simmons after that big extension, over under four and a half interceptions. He had four in 2019. He had five in 2020. Over I've, under four and a half. I've got him at five. Yeah. I like it. And and with the extra game, like who knows, maybe that could be six or seven if something breaks right for him. But the Broncos, yeah, around around five is where I've got him. I think that's a good call. Um, Broncos are pro are, are due to get more takeaways this season. You know, turnovers are a really fluky thing. Um, a very high variance stat. Um, and the Broncos have been on the low, low end of takeaways these past two years. And Vic Fangio's scheme typically generates a lot of takeaways. So I feel like they're due to get a lot of them this year. And, and like, yeah, that's not super logical, but um, I don't know. It should regress to the mean. Um, and uh, uh, Simmons is so, so, so talented. And his athleticism, ball skills, and then the smarts um, just makes him – so deadly and such a, a, a ball hawk. Um, uh, over to the offense now. Okay. Drew Locke. This one kind of has to do with him uh, beating out Teddy as well, I feel, because it's a it's a quantity stat. And to reach the quantity, I think he's going to have to start a, a pretty hefty majority of the games. Um, 28 touchdowns. So just break just breaking that down over a 17 game season that's him averaging less than 2 a game. Yeah, but he I don't think he's ever averaged 2 a game. I guess he had 16 last year. Then he played like 13 games. And then in his first year I think he had 7 and 5. Um so yeah, it'd be I think a similarish uh ratio but again 
if he's losing starts to Bridgewater, if Bridgewater starts five, six games, all of a sudden he is having to average two uh, a game, which is pretty rough. I'm going to say, as it stands now, obviously, right, asterisks, the Aaron Rodgers asterisks, um, I think Locke is our day one starter. And I think he's able to hold on to that position throughout the season. I I would I could put him at 30 touchdowns in 17 games if he could stay healthy. Yeah, I take the over. Uh, yeah, I could see over. You know, if he, he if he does progress, he wouldn't have to make a massive leap to that 28 touchdown number, assuming he plays all 17 games. My thing is, I don't think he'll play all 17. I think there's a good. He chance. hasn't. He hasn't proven he can stay healthy yet, so that's a that's actually a safe bet. Healthy or he struggles or and I think even if he does improve and becomes the Broncos franchise quarterback, as we're all hoping, I think he's going to be a high variance guy. And there will be games where he's not. Get, but then again, there should be Texans games in there where he's getting four or five. But, you know, 25 or so seems like a, a good number for me on lock. Um, this is another one that kind of has to do with uh, uh, winning a starting job and whatnot, but I'm not going to quantify it in terms of starts. Javante Williams, over under 1,000 rushing yards. Under. That's and, that's just a that's a lot of rushing yards to get for a team. Look, do I think that he could potentially by the end of the season be our best back? Yes. But with that being said, we've got Gordon under contract for one more season. And sorry to interrupt you, but I, I think we're I think we're going to ride Gordon as much as we can this year. And then next year will be the the year that we really see Javante Williams take a huge step forward. So here's my thing: I think Melvin Gordon kind of gets relegated to that second role, like Lindsey was. And of course, injuries were part of it for Lindsey, but. I keep going back to it. It really stuck with me that behind the Broncos documentary, Brian Stark, the director of college scouting, interviewed for the GM job. He's an important voice in that front office. Compared Javante Williams to Zeke Elliott and Nick Chubb. Like those are guys you're not sitting. And even if he's 90% of that, like I think those are Zeke Elliott, young Zeke Elliott, like his first couple years in the league. And Nick Chubb is, you know, first three years in the league. Both those guys have been top three or the bare minimum top five running backs. If he's a top 10 running back, I don't think he's sitting behind Melvin Gordon. Melvin Gordon last year finished uh, the season with 986 rushing yards. Lindsay had 502. I can see a similar breakdown. And if we're adding a 17th game, I'm hitting the over here. I think Javante Williams is so good that they'll do it. If Elway was still in charge and having a big voice. And I know he got like promoted or whatever. I think that's more about, I don't know. It's, it's weird. That's, I don't think he's really telling Peyton what to do, even though like technically he's Peyton's boss. I don't, I think he, his voice is pretty minimal. They gave him more time to go ride scooters. That's what they did. (laughs) Yeah. Oh man. I was going to say golf, but that's the, uh, man, what a classic video. The, the John Elway on the scooter. It's an all time favorite. Um, but like uh, Peyton wasn't interested in Gordon and there was a Mike Kliss when Gordon was going through his DUI trial or hearing or, you know, uh, arbitration, whatever uh, is the right word for it. Um, earlier this off season, Kliss was laying out some tea leaves about the Broncos maybe moving on from Gordon. 
if he was found guilty because that would have meant they could void his contract. Now, obviously, uh, I don't know if the, he's way less likely to be cut now because they can't void that guaranteed money. Um, again, they wouldn't have anything to gain. But I think the fact they were even considering cutting him shows they're not horribly attached to him. I, I kind of think Javante Williams gets a, a good, a pretty solid majority of the carries, and as a result, hits that 1,000-yard that mark. I could see both sides of the coin. For one, paying a running back, what what is Gordon making, like $8.5 this year, somewhere in that ballpark? Like That's a pretty significant number to pay a running back, especially for a team that's been a negative game script a lot. And they haven't been able to really stick with the running game, you know, late in the fourth quarter, except for like against the Jets, <laughs> where yes. Duke can pop off a really long touchdown run at the end and kind of make the numbers look a little better, too. But you could argue that Gordon was our MVP of our offense last year. You could. And and that was with, a, you know, that carousel of quarterbacks and the ineptitude that was the play calling early on in the season by Pat Shermer, it, it was pretty rough sledding for that offense across the board. And yet Gordon still managed to almost get a thousand yards and um, he looked really good. I mean, the eye test, he was great when he wasn't putting the ball on the turf. So I, I think that as long as he doesn't get fumble he's still going to be running back one. And here's something else to consider. Javante Williams was able to be him because he was playing alongside Michael Carter at North Carolina and was able to be spelled. They didn't use him like a bell cow. They didn't use him like Ezekiel Elliott, Nick Chubb got used in college. They kept him fresh, which allowed him to be more efficient with his with each attempt and each touch that he got. So I, I think like keeping him fresh and not running him into the ground and giving him 24, 25, 28 carries, you know, for a long stretch of games, you'll see his productivity stay at its peak performance. So I don't know. That's a very, very uh, tough balance there to try to keep a guy where he's operating at an elite level. I mean, look at, look at Alvin Kamara. How many carries does that guy get? Not a ton compared to other guys that, you know, you, you would consider his peers, there, there were a lot of times where like Lat Murray would get all the carries, or before him, uh, Mark Ingram. So it's about keeping your playmakers fresh and their their ability to to really affect the game when they are in the, in it because they're not worn down. So I I could see both sides of that coin. If I got to choose one guy to wear down, it's the guy who's not going to be under contract with us going into the twenty two twenty three season. I, I think that's a good point. You make you make a lot of strong points. The one thing I will push back on is the investment in Gordon. Nine times out of ten, I'd agree. I'd agree with you. They have a lot invested in Gordon. You want to get that guy on the field. However, they also have a lot invested in Javante Williams, trading up in the second round to get him, especially with the way the league's trending. And Peyton didn't make the Gordon investment. He did make the Williams investment. So I, I I do think there's a little more um, on the investment end. There might uh, honestly be more pressure to play Williams. But I do agree with everything else you said. I think you made a lot of good points. We got a, a receiving trifecta for you here for our last over-under. Um, we'll do these individually, though, but just a little lightning round to close this out here. 
Noah Finger, over under seven touchdowns. He's had three in each of the last two seasons. Um, you know, first year though a rookie, and then last year injury. So, and now we're of course getting an extra game as well. And uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm feeling bold on fans, so I set the number kind of high, but over under seven touchdowns. I got under at six. I think that's totally reasonable. It, it'd be such a big leap. You're looking. You're asking him to like double, more than double his production from each of the last two seasons, and I think he's got the talent to do it, but. I don't know. It's it's tough. It also relies on the quarterbacks hitting, which I think is possible, but it's not a guarantee. But and also fans staying healthy. But I love the talent. I think he can be a superstar. I think you know as Kelsey gets older, um, he could kind of you know become one of those new superstar tight ends. He absolutely could do that, or it could be the next Evan Ingram. Like he's he's got Ooh. that range of outcomes. He does. I think you're right. Ooh, I hope he's not having Ingram. Um, I, I I hope I hope not. I love the kid. I I hope he I hope he crushes it. I hope he's the next Shannon Sharp in in Broncos history at the tight end position. But that that be that awesome. possibility is there. Sorry, lightning round. Yeah. Oh no no, you're fine. I'm glad to get the analysis. And then on the wide receivers here, over under for Sutton, 1,200 yards. Over under for Judy a thousand yards. I think you nailed it. Like right there. I, I think that's a put. I mean, I'll say a little over for Judy because I think he's going to be like around a thousand and change. Um, I'll I'll go slightly over for Sutton, but I think it's really close. It's probably going to be about twelve and change for him. Yeah, that's that's tough, man. Where whatever projection model you're looking at, I think. <laughs> Like it's right on the money. I just I looked at numbers from last season and kind of went, um, oh, what what kind of makes sense? The fan one might might be a little exorbitant, but um, yeah, I agree with you. I I have a little under for Sutton. I think just coming off the injury, we could see a Chubb thing where Chubb played at a Pro Bowl level last year and got into the Pro Bowl and deserved to be there. But I forget he had one sack or maybe not any through like the first three four games. Um, uh, you know, coming off that ACL, it can be nasty, and uh, uh, I think Sutton maybe a little rest, a little less reliant on it, but um, still could hurt him. Judy, though, based on everything we're hearing, um, t- he's going to benefit a lot. I- I- I'm excited to see what he uh, he looks like this season. You know, everyone's talking about lock and how much he's going to benefit from the second year under Shermer. It's going to help a lot of other guys too. Lloyd Cushenberry is going to get helped out a ton by that. Shermer or not Shermer center is a mentally taxing position. Um, it requires eye football IQ and, you know, as a third round rookie, a lot was on his plate last year. Um, being in that Shermer offense again, that's going to help him. That's going to help uh, uh, Judy. That's going to help Hamler. It's going to help Albert O. There's a lot of people that uh, uh, will also benefit from it as well as law. Yeah. I mean, consistency is going to be so key across the board on offense. Uh, so, you, I mean, anybody could take a big step forward. I mean, it could be KJ Hamler who ends up taking a huge step forward, you know, at the the cost of, you know, maybe a fan or maybe the cost of some of Sutton's production. But, that 
hopefully everybody gets to eat and everybody benefits from, you know, having the same offensive coordinator finally for the second of second consecutive season, hopefully all the way through. Yeah. There lots of mouths to feed. That's a great point. I'm glad you brought that up. Well, thank you, Maddie, for joining me on this, on this uh, quick episode of fired up Broncos podcast. Love having yeah, man. We'll definitely have you on again. I forgot to shout out the Twitter at the top. So everyone make sure you follow Maddie moles at, uh, over at Maddie moles pod. Uh, Maddie spelled how you think moles M U L L S pod P O D Maddie moles pod. Follow him over there. Uh, great Broncos coverage, a great guy. And, and also we'll give you recipes for delicious. I mean, high end James Bond level cocktails and and delicious desserts i mean incredible stuff uh, uh grilling recipes you go uh so make sure you go over to maddie moles on twitter and give him a follow and then follow us over at the mainly broncos podcast as well because we'll be hitting you with a podcast or two every week over there so if you enjoyed this you can get more of this dynamic at the mainly broncos podcast yeah man fired up <laughs> fired up thank you for joining me uh but yeah bye everyone